Hello and welcome to Philly and the Over, a brand new Philadelphia-based sports gambling podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Joe Simonera. I'm joined by Shane Curran. Shane, tell us what's on tap for today. 49ers beat reporter Tracy Sandler, Eagles insider Mike Gill, and conference football weekend. All right, time to cash in. Today we are joined by University of Michigan alum, host of the Tracy Sandler Show podcast, host of Get My Job podcast, and former voiceover artist for Mattel's Barbie. Currently, <laughs> she is the 49ers beat reporter for Fangirls Sports Network, of which she is also the founder and CEO. Tracy Sandler, welcome to Philly in the Over. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. We, we need to get the uh, we need to get the enemy's perspective or else we would be uh, <laughs> even more biased than we already are uh, towards our, our eagle. So we're excited to talk to you and pick your brain a little bit about uh, what's going on in San Francisco right now. Fantastic. Let's do it. So as an Eagles fan, it's been quite a season uh, for, you know, what's it been like, I guess, as a 49ers fan and working so close with the team throughout this 12 game winning streak specifically. And I guess what's the general vibe around San Francisco are, are Niners fans confident, cautious, cautiously optimistic. Tell us, tell us what the vibe's like. I think Niners fans are definitely confident and, and optimistic. I would certainly not characterize myself as a fan anymore because I've been a beat reporter for seven years. And so it, it changes and we are supposed to be unbiased, but I think 49ers fans are pretty confident pretty excited about the whole thing but this is a tough matchup and this is a team that mirrors the 49ers so well and I feel like these teams are so evenly matched in so many areas that it's just it's going to be a tough one it's going to be the toughest matchup they've had I would say since the Chiefs obviously Dallas was a tough matchup as well but the 49ers and the Eagles just I mean they really do other than at quarterback they really are like mirror images of each other yeah, Trace. No, I think that uh, Shane and I certainly both agree with with that statement. We're you know we're 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 cautiously optimistic, and I think it is going to be a tight game. Uh, but you did mention you know the the game against against Dallas and and a great victory by the the 49ers. And you know one thing I caught, and I think it was uh, Monday, uh, Kyle Shanahan's press conference. He mentioned that especially in the second half of that game, their strategy was really to to run the football to negate Micah Parsons and the rest of the the Dallas uh, uh, rushing defense. So um, do you think that, that same strategy they're going to take against the Eagles where they just try to use use McCaffrey, use uh, Elijah Mitchell, use use Debo Samuel uh, to some extent to to really just negate the Eagles pass rush, which which is historically one of the best in the history of the NFL this year. We have, I think, five guys with, with double-digit sacks. Um, so do you think that's going to be the strategy that, that Shanahan and um, and his squad take into this game? Well, if, for Shanahan's offense, I mean, the success of that this 49ers offense is predicated on the run game always, to be honest. I mean, that really is sure. what they need to do to get their offense going. And they always feel like if they run the football 25 or 30 times a game – most likely they're going to win the game. And I think if there's a weakness on the Eagles defense, it is a little bit in the run defense. And I know they got better as the season went on, but I think that is an area that the 49ers will try to capitalize on because it's also a very good way to settle Brock Purdy in. And the thing with Brock Purdy is I say that, but there's been nothing about him thus far that makes it seem like he needs settling. I mean, he's very confident. He's very poised. Nothing really seems to rattle him all that much, but we saw a little bit of adversity in that Seattle game. We saw adversity in that first half of the, the um, Dallas game. And I kind of go back to his first appearance when he came in, in the Miami game, when Jimmy Garoppolo went down and in the beginning, it was, they gave that ball to McCaffrey a lot and that did kind of settle him, him in. So, you know, in fairness to Brock, he is a rookie seventh round draft pick who is going on the road in one of the toughest environments to play in the NFL in the NFC championship game. And it's his first road playoff game. So I think that run game is going to be a huge part of their strategy and I imagine that is very much where they're, where, they're, where they'll start early. And with Dallas, they were able to wear them down. And I think they're going to try to do that with Philadelphia as well. Yeah, that's the the first Eagles loss of the season. And the only game they lost that, that Jalen Hurts started was against Washington. And um, that's exactly what Washington did. I think they ran 49 times and they don't have, you know, all their backs combined when equal one tr Christian McCaffrey. So um, I think that, that that is a strategy that, you know, I mean, that's really the only strategy team can take, I think, against this, this Eagles team. Um, so that's that's another way I think the, the matchup is really interesting. And, 
you know, after after that loss, I mean, the week after they went out and signed Linval Joseph and Dominic Sue, and then and then got and then got mm-hmm. Jordan Jordan Davis healthy. So it was kind of like, whoa, we have one loss and we're making these kind of changes. I think that's really when, even though it was a loss, I think Philly fans started saying, all right, this could be something something special here. They're really trying to, you know, correct any any issue they have. Where in years past, the Eagles teams may not have uh, may not have done that as as quickly as they right. did. And sticking yeah, with the running sense. game, we so we are a gambling podcast. And one of the factors that goes into the decision-making is the severity of some of the injuries. So you talked a little bit Mm -hmm. about McCaffrey and we have the, you know, the images in our head of him using that heat pad on his calf uh, last week within the Dallas game. And then also today, Debo Samuel popped up on the injury report with an ankle injury. So what can you tell us about the status of both of these dynamic playmakers? Well, Debo, we talked to Debo Debo today and he said that his ankles just sore and they're being cautious and he will definitely be out there on Sunday and I would imagine the same is true for McCaffrey I mean I think at this point in the season everybody is dealing with something and it's just a matter of the severity of it so I think the four hours are being overly cautious and Kyle Shanahan said today he expects everyone on the injury report except for Jimmy Garoppolo to be playing on Sunday yeah, I think the Eagles certainly have have their their injuries at key spots too. I, I know that Lane Johnson's playing through a, a groin tear. I I know on, on defense, Avante Maddox is, is a guy who hasn't played in a couple of weeks, who got out on the practice field today and is hopefully uh, going to be back. AJ Brown has some sort of injury um, that that may have limited him <laughs> a bit against the Giants, but it's really not like we needed him uh, to do anything more against the Giants. That was a uh, kind of a runaway game. Um, but but sticking with with that offensive line that I mentioned, and, and obviously Lane Johnson is, is a little bit banged up. Uh, you know, the 49ers have the best defensive player in, in football and in, in Nick Bosa, and I, I think he will will win that award. Um, now the Eagles typically don't, you know, they do not like to provide help for for their tackles when they're you know facing whomever, be, be it Michael Parsons, be it be it Nick Bosa. And, uh, what is what are some of the well, first off, have any teams had success in stopping Nick Bosa this year? And 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 the follow-up to that would be. What have they done to to, to try to neutralize uh, what a game record Nick Bosa can be? Teams, the only way they seem to have success, and I'm not saying this from a fan perspective, it's just reality, is holding him. Nick Bosa gets <laughs> held more than anyone I've ever seen. Recently, the refs have actually started calling it a little bit, but that really seems to be the only thing that anyone is able to do to stop Nick Bosa. And it works. Sometimes it totally works. Uh, but that seems to be it because he is just kind of, he's a game wrecker. I mean, he, he's unbelievable and he's so good in every facet of the game. And that really seems to be the only thing they can do. Cause I just don't think there's anything else you can really do to neutralize Nick Bosa. He is just one of those dynamic playmaker type of players. It's kind of like talking about a Patrick Mahomes. Like what can you do to neutralize Patrick Mahomes? And you have that for Nick Bosa on the other side of the ball. And with Patrick Mahomes, I kind of think you just want to neutralize everyone else because you can't neutralize him. And that's kind of the case with Nick Bosa. But this defensive front has been so good because even if he is being neutralized, everyone else has been able to step out. And D'Amico Ryans has been a master getting the most out of whoever is out there. Yeah, I I, I keep saying it. If if he's able to do to the Eagles offense, D'Amico Ryan's what he did to the Cowboys offense, then basically every team in the NFL should just be saying he's our, look, we'll hire him as the head coach because uh-huh. he's, he's done such an incredible job uh, with that squad and taken over for for Robert Sala, who, who was, you know, a, a great coordinator there and, uh, you know, great defensive mind. They just haven't missed a beat. And, you know, when you look down the list, you know, I mentioned Nick Bosa is the best defensive player in football, but I, I think there there are some weaknesses, you know, in, in the the talent on that defense. It's it's a team that just yeah. seems to gel. They play incredibly well together. They're they're coached so well by by Demuka Ryan. He's been really the, the coordinator that I've been super impressed with uh, throughout this this whole football season. Yeah, and you're right. And the thing I think that's been the most impressive is they've also had a, a myriad of injuries along that line right. throughout the season. I mean, they were without Eric Armstead for a lot of the season. Of course, once he came back, you're like, oh, right, that's why he's Eric Armstead. But what they were able to do on that line, plugging people in, has been just, it's been incredible. And it is a real testament to D'Amico Ryans and the job he and his staff have done. Absolutely. Uh, we mentioned, you know, we mentioned Lane Johnson and, and- Jordan Mylod. And I, I think that that Nick Bosa against those two is is really one of the key matchups of the game, wherever they put him. Uh, you know, Johnson's probably matches the athleticism and Mylotta is just, you know, six six and three hundred and seventy pounds of, of solid muscle. So that, that provides its own challenges for for Bosa. But do you see any other key matchups that fans should keep an eye on throughout this game that, that could because I, I do think it'll be a close game. Do you think there's there's another matchup out there, a couple that that might really determine which way this game goes? 
Well, I think the, honestly, the corners and how they do against Devonta Smith and AJ Brown is going to be a big one because if there is a weakness on the 49ers offense and, and I'm a little hesitant to fully call him a weakness, but I, it's a little bit of just inexperience and lack of consistency with Diamond or Lenore, because at times he plays at a very high level and at times he's just not as consistent. And Charvarius Ward, who's been having a fantastic season for San Francisco, probably the, had his worst game of the season against Seattle, was better against Dallas, but maybe not to the level that we've been used to. So if there is a place where they could potentially exploit, I think it's there. And I think the Eagles will probably be throwing in Diamador Lenore's direction a lot more than they're not. So I would say those matchups will be kind of interesting to see because if if there is a weakness, it's there. Uh, again, I don't think there is a, I'm not necessarily calling it a weakness. I'm just saying if there is a weakness and that's where it is. So I think those are going to be interesting matchups to watch. And then I think we've, we've talked about it, of course, along the lines, but I'm very interested to see how the interior of the 49ers offensive line does against this Eagles defensive line. And we'd be remiss not to ask you about Brock Purdy. So we don't want to burden you with, with any of the, uh, any of the the national news that are coming out about the the competition for next year with Trey Lance and Jimmy G the what we really do want to know though is Brock Purdy it's it's really difficult not to root for a guy who has that type of story right as a you know mm-hmm. the, the last pick of the 7th round and what he's done so far this week as an Eagles fan it's going to be very easy to root for him but what's impressed you most about this guy I just think his unflappability and his confidence has been the most impressive. You would not know that he was a rookie stepping in to be the third quarterback on a team that really is Super Bowl or bust right now. I mean, you just you would not know that. And you wouldn't have known that on day one when he came in for that Miami game game that this was a rookie seventh round draft pick from this year. And he's always been confident. I mean, even in rookie minicamp. In talking to him and seeing him, you could see the confidence and see the ability. And he's played a lot of football in his life and a lot of college football. And that, I think, was really helpful to him. But that has been the most impressive. The other thing that I find really impressive is how much Kyle Shanahan trusts Brock Purdy. And that's a testament to him not making mistakes and being able to scramble out of trouble and knowing when to throw the ball away. I mean, he hasn't been completely perfect on that, but he's been pretty darn close. And it's just interesting to see how much trust Kyle Shanahan has in Brock Purdy. That's not necessarily something we've seen in a long time. I, I have certainly not seen it in the time that Kyle Shanahan has been in San Francisco to this level. I, I you know, it's funny. I, I I remember when when Brock Purdy, you know, came in and he became the quarterback of the 49ers. I, yeah, I had no idea he was their third string or anything. But I I really remember, you know, the the Iowa State Brock Purdy and and when it was Brock mm-hmm. Purdy and Brees Hall on that Matt Campbell team at Iowa state a couple of years ago, it was like, you know, before the season began, we're talking, you know, this team could make a run at the national title. So, uh, you know, I think that the talent was always there and then you find out he's Mr. Irrelevant and all that. And there's, there's a million factors going, of course. Um, uh, but you know, he's played in some big games and, and including he played against, uh, against Jalen hurts in college. And then they had quite, quite a shootout. Yes. Um, I, th- I think it'll be a little different here because the Iowa state and Oklahoma defenses at the time were not exactly the Eagles and 49ers of, this year, but, right. but I think that, uh, you know, slightly I, different. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people, you know, in, in Philly will, you know, look for, look for anything to, to give the Eagles the win before the game's played. Um, and, and, you know, having a third string quarterback, third stringers have never won a conference championship game, but, but I, you know, I, I, I am not, you know, it's, it's, it's impressive that he's been able to lead the team the way he has. Um, but I'm not shocked because I, I, I know that, you know, kind of what his his mentality was in, in college and the type of arm he had. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that I don't think you can you can sleep on him if you're the Eagles. I don't think you can just sell out against the run and say, all right, Brock, go ahead and beat us because he very well might. So it, it really th- th- this. Oh, he might. I, I'm, I'm getting headaches just thinking about all the ways this game can go. It, it's going to be it's going to be so much fun on, on Sunday. I, I really can't wait. And I know you can't either. I, well, I mean, I would even say on Sunday, I mean, he, the Dallas basically said, Brock Purdy, go ahead and beat us. And, and he did. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's it. That with, is what uh, happened. You know, with a little little help from a, a very odd <laughs> a catch that uh, bounced about 15 yards <laughs> before Kittle rolled reeled it in. It was and it was an incredible, play. incredible catch and incredible oh play. But in the words yep. of Kyle Shanahan after the game, the quarterback still had to get him the ball. That's right. So Absolutely. you know, and so he he did. He he made it happen. So I think that's the thing. If if you're looking for Brock Purdy to be the one to beat you, I wouldn't I wouldn't dare him because he might. <laughs> Trace, are you making the trip to Philly for the game? Yes. 
Don't wear red. <laughs> oh, well, I, I'm in the press box. So <laughs> oh, we get, we're we, uh, still you know, we don't, <laughs> no, no, knowing, uh, knowing some of no the Philly media. <laughs> no, great. Well, yeah, we'll... no, no, no team stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, and Tracy, before we let you go, I just want to share a quick story. So three years ago, my wife joined an all girls fantasy football league. And since that time, oh, amazing. not once disagreed over our plans for Sunday NFL, nor have we debated the priority of going apple picking versus watching NFL Red Zone. So I want to personally thank you for all the work that Fangirl Sports Network <laughs> is doing and the work your your incredible team has done. Uh, so Tracy, thank you for your time. Enjoy the game on Sunday and watch to our listeners where they can uh, find you. You guys can find me on Twitter at 49ers Fangirl, on Instagram at Tracy Sandler, and you can find all of my content written, all podcasts, all of that kind of stuff at fgsn.com. Great. Tracy, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Tracy. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Place your bets. All right. We are now joined by Mike Gill. Mike is an Eagles insider and host of the Sports Bash radio show heard locally on 97.3 ESPN Radio. He is also the host of the Believe in Eagles podcast on the Believe Podcast Network and the Announcers Skeds podcast, both of which you can hear wherever you get your podcasts. Mike, welcome to Filling You Over. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, locking into this Ben Simmons Sixers matchup over here. Right? Uh, we're we're going to have it on in, in two seconds here too. And we're, uh, when we're all wrapped up, can't, can't, can't wait to uh, see him and Embiid for the first time. But, uh, but you are here not to talk about uh mid season Sixers. We're talking birds, NFC championship. And, and, and Mike, I, I need you to just tell me what I'm missing here. The, the 49ers, uh, you know, the defense gets a ton of their production from the, the defensive line. The Eagles counter with the best offensive line in football. The Niners are going to attempt to run the ball as much as they can to negate the Eagles pass rush. But since the loss to Washington, the Eagles have had the second or third best rushing defense in the NFL, depending on the metric you use. The Niners weaknesses are secondary. They've given up huge games to Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill. We have Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown to counter with. And then you have Brock Purdy, a rookie quarterback. He looks unflappable, but this is Philadelphia for an NFC championship. It's a totally different thing. What am I missing? How did the Eagles not win this game? Oh, if you explain it like that, Joe, it sounds See? pretty easy. I'm talking, I'm talking, my, that's how I talk myself into it. I'm talking everybody into it. But, but I, I just, I mean, I just think the Eagles are the better team here. I think that they're the better team. They have a big check mark with Jalen Hurts. That, that's obvious. Uh, Purdy's had a great story. But, you know, uh, Case Keenum had a great story a couple of years ago, and then the bright lights hit him, and, and he made a mistake early in that game. And I feel like this game could be similar, where you make a mistake earlier in the game, and then the reality sets in. And then we see this all the time in these bigger games, where like you're like, man, I was so excited for this game. I thought it was a great matchup, and then it turns into a blowout. Because I feel like you do all this preparation. You get to the end of the line, and then you look up at the scoreboard, and you're like – we're just not good enough today. And then it just comes crashing down. And I feel like this could have a similar type. Now, San Francisco is much better than that Minnesota team that came here. But look, Philly could throw the ball deep. They average more yards per touchdown passing than any team in the league. They're number one in the league on 20 or more yard touchdowns. San Francisco's defense is 27th in the league defending that. Um, so I think they have a shot to take some shots down the field. Uh, in, in terms of stopping their run, I think they're going to have to do what Washington did, which is run and stick with it, whether it's working or not, and just hope they can get three yards, three yards, three yards, and get to third and four or less, and then make third downs. That's what Washington did. They got the third and four, they converted, and they kept the Eagles offense off the field. Of course, the Eagles turned the ball over in that game. That can't happen. But that, to me, is San Francisco's recipe. If it's an up-and-down game, I don't know that Brock Purdy is ready to win a game where he has to throw for 350 yards and three touchdowns. So I like the Eagles 53 better. I think they have more positive numbers in their favor than I can find for San Francisco. I haven't... There's not a spot on the field with the Eagles where you're like, that's where we can attack. That's where they're weak. They are just solid everywhere. San Francisco's secondary is not great, and their offensive line in the middle is not great either, and I think the Eagles can get them in that spot. That's going to be a big, a big challenge, I think, for the Niners is running between the tackles because since, you know, Washington, you know, ran the ball 49 times in that game or whatever it was, 
the Eagles have beefed up the interior and they get Jordan Davis back. So now you're looking at Sue Linval Joseph. They added a healthy Davis. And, and if you're, you're weak up the middle, you're going to have to get real creative with McCaffrey and, and, and Debo Samuel to, to get them in, in space to, to try to run. But I, I, I just, I don't see, I just, I just don't see the, the Niners having success like, like the Redskins did, you know, this, 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 this game, I just don't think that's a recipe for, for success for them. No, probably not. And I think Reddick is playing at such a high level. Him against McGlinchey will be interesting. He tortured Neil last week. Um, I think McGlinchey's in for a tough day, and that will disrupt a lot of what San Francisco wants to do. Purdy's at his weakest when he has to go left. So if you're getting pressure from that right side, he's going to have to keep going left. It just doesn't set up well. The Eagles can pressure up the middle, too. Like you get Hargrave up the middle, that's a problem. Like the San Francisco defense, what makes them tough, and this is what makes regular season football hard, is they play wide nine. Most teams in this league have crap offensive lines. Let's be honest. Most offensive lines in this league stink. It's what the Eagles feast on. Bad offensive lines. They get to the quarterback with four. It pisses off fans a lot, but that's what works. (laughs) The Niners do wide nine, and most of the times you're playing teams who have bad offensive line play. Philadelphia doesn't. And it'll be interesting to see if Bosa can get enough pressure by himself. Are they going to have to blitz? Because the Eagles' offensive line is their strength, and that's what neutralizes a lot of teams is they have pressure against bad lines. The Giants had the Giants didn't have to blitz against the Vikings because the Vikings' line is so bad. <laughs> Well, against Philadelphia, you can't do that. You have to try to get pressure in other ways. So I think San Francisco's strengths get neutralized a little bit by what Philadelphia is good at. And, again, it goes back to your first point, Joe. You made a great opening statement. (laughs) What are we missing here? I think Philadelphia is a better team. Well, as we look at that, and it seems like we're all aligned that Philadelphia will win this game. What I'm shocking three people in in Philly are are aligned on that. (laughs) But as a sports gambling podcast, we have to ask, the line's minus two and a half. Not only do they win, do they cover? And from what you're saying, it sounds like the 49ers strategy should be to run the ball, get McCaffrey, get Debo, maybe mine running a little more lateral in some of those uh, creative plays that Shanahan can draw up. The over-under is 46 and a half. Do you like, do you like either of those bets for this game? I was surprised at two and a half. I thought it'd be four, somewhere in that range. I thought Philly would get a little bit more respect than that. I mean, they're driving across the country. Uh, road game with a guy who's very inexperienced. I thought that would have factored in a little bit here. Um, not to mention, I think that says that Vegas has no respect for the Giants. My God. Um, <laughs> but I look at it two ways, man. It's either a, a similar game to what happened with the Cowboys. And in that case, it's a coin flip. I don't know who wins that a close bare knuckle fight kind of game. That kind of tells me that Philly turned the ball over, made some mistakes, made it ugly. And that hopefully, look, they've won games this year where they've not played their best. That's what makes a good team. They beat Houston, uh, Indianapolis, Chicago when they didn't play their best. They can win an ugly game. I just, I I don't have an opinion on who would win an ugly game. That's a coin flip. But I think it's either that style or Philly blows them out, like 38-7. Like the game just gets away from San Francisco and they look up and said, we're in Philly and we're getting our butts kicked. Jalen Hurts just to me seems so he just seems so locked in right now. He almost the, the comparison I drew drew to somebody was he almost reminds me of of Roy Halladay when he would have a start. Like there there's nothing else in the world that matters to this guy than than executing on 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 that field on Sunday. He is just fully fully locked in. And I, I just think that, you know, your point is well taken that the Niners could look at the scoreboard and say, oh boy, because if their defense isn't just incredible, Hertz is going to make them pay for any mistake they make. They're going to take their shots downfield. And if, you know, if the birds get up, you know, 14 nothing or something, is Shanahan going to say, we're going to stick with this run and we're going to, we're going to hope it works? Or do you start having Brock Purdy drop back and, and try to act like he's at Iowa State again with Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and Javon Hargrave, you know? pinning their ears back and getting after him. So I think that, I think that Hertz is just, just so dialed in right now. And I, I, I really, I mean, I know across the, across the country, um, the respect for him is, is, has been on display with a lot of national pundits who of course are just trying to 
you know, get, get, get eyeballs on themselves. But, but I, I just think he's been, he's been underrated, undervalued. I think that he's such a difference maker. Obviously he's a quarterback and I, I just think he can really make, make the Niners pay for it for any mistakes they're going to make on, on defense. And, and that, that is when the game can really snowball and it happened against the giants, but I mean, the giants aren't n- near the Niners. Well, think about this. If Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or Josh Allen are playing quarterback for the Eagles, is the spread two and a half? Probably not. No, Jalen Hurts is on that level. He's in the conversation yeah. with those guys. He's it's a disrespect to the fact that the Eagles clearly have an advantage at the quarterback position. And in this league, that's everything. You know, that line in the Kansas City game, it was, you know, all over the place. I, it was at one the last time I looked. But that's because Mahomes is hurt, and they have Joe Burrow. They're saying this team has Joe Burrow. This guy's hurt, you know. So the line is like kind of in the middle there. As pick them one, it was up to two and a half, back to one. I don't know where it is as we talk here, but they're saying that Hurts is the fair game against Purdy. I I don't understand it. Like to me, Hurts should be on the level of where Joe Burrow, Mahomes is. For this year, I don't know long term. I can't say three years from now that yeah. he's going to still be the same guy. I imagine what makes him so difficult. He makes the right decision every time. I mean, when to run, when to hand it off, when to throw. He never makes a bad decision. He might throw it away. He might just run and get two yards. But he just never. I mean, the only time I can remember him really forcing a throw was in that week 18 down in the goal line. I mean, when else has he made a mistake where you're like, oh, what are you doing? Maybe one other game, I think against the Bears, he might have thrown one that you were like, eh. But the turnovers have been, he throws to A.J. Brown, Brown fumbles. He throws to Watkins, Watkins fumbles. Like, I can't remember him throwing a bad pick this year. So you're going to have to really rattle him to make him make a mistake. And look, their linebackers are really good. That's a change you don't see that all the time I mean you don't place a team that has two really good athletic linebackers but I think he's a difference maker to kind of neutralize that so I don't think there's enough respect on on the fact that Hertz is significantly better than Purdy yeah you mentioned you mentioned it earlier is D'Amico Ryan's going to say all right we're going to have to have uh, you know, Fred Warner and, and Al Shahir, are they going to have to start blitzing? Because I don't, I don't, I don't know that with, with even with the, the wide nine and Nick Bosa, you're going to get enough pressure on Hertz where that secondary can hold up against, against, uh, Brown, Devontae Smith, and, and maybe Quez Watkins, you know, take, gets a deep shot down the field or something in the game. Um, I, I just don't know that they're going to, they're going to be able to hold up, hold up. And you know, like, how, how, you know how you, you love to give game balls away. So that being said, come Monday, who are you giving the game balls to? Well, it would be Reddick again if they wanted because Reddick was a pain in the ass, right? He, he was a game wrecker. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, last week I went with Hertz. I thought he'd come out and have a big game. I guess you could say Hertz was really the guy. I mean, but in this game, I really think that Sanders can be a big factor because the Eagles' interior of the line, I think, is a big advantage over San Francisco in the interior. And they they did it last week. They ran. They didn't run between the tackles. They ran between the guards. And yeah, Giants yes. just couldn't stop them. Kelsey is so good. Dickerson's outstanding, but Sayamala doesn't get enough credit. He is very athletic. They do a lot with him too. And I don't think San Francisco has seen a team that has that much talent in the interior. And San Francisco's interior is okay. It's, you know, with that wide nine, they look to get pushed up the middle. I don't think they're going to be able to do that against the – most teams do not invest in their centers and guards, and they're weak in that spot. Philadelphia, I don't say they invested a lot of money here. They just happen to have Dickerson, who's excellent as a second-round pick, Sayamala. Uh, you know, he was, what, a third- or fourth-round pick, so he doesn't get paid a whole heck. But these guys just happen to be really good, and Kelsey's the best there ever was, possibly, uh, or at least in the last 15 years at that position. So it's something that most teams don't see all the time is an interior that can really dominate a game. And and that's where I think Philadelphia. So Sanders, I think, can have a big game uh, this week. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those games where they run, you know, 30 times and then take a bunch of shots, two, three shots down the field. Um, you know, working on those corners. But the guy that I think could have a sneaky game is Watkins. The last time they played, he had two catches for like 112 yards. He had that 91-yard catch. But 
he's been out of the game plan, kind of out of sight, out of mind. And I feel like you could sneak him back in, get a little seam route early in the game, set the tone, and that could be a big play too. So we might say, hey, Watkins had three catches for 110 yards like he did the last – he had two last time. One was for 91. But we might be looking back early on that play and be like, that really set the tone. Uh, yeah, I think if the Eagles win the game, there's going to be a, a Miles Sanders, a Quez Watkins, a player that uh, really has has a big game that, that might not be Hurts or, or AJ Brown. So, uh, yeah, I like I like uh, I like that that thinking uh, uh, as well. I think that's that's pretty uh, uh, pretty good point. Well, and AJ Brown last week, what he had three for twenty two. I would imagine that they try to get him back involved. Look, San Francisco. Yeah, he- it's been better covering the number one receiver, although last week they did not. Although, I mean, CeeDee Lamb's not a typical number one. He, he's in the slot a lot, as Philadelphia saw. That makes him a little tougher. But typical number ones, San Francisco's done pretty well with. It's the number two guy they have a problem with. And we know Philadelphia's number two is not a, a typical number two. So either one of these guys, I think if San Francisco tries to to bracket and, and take out, the other guy is prone to have a big game. The one guy... You know, Goddard, I don't know how that's, you know, what role Goddard has in the offense this week because they have very good linebackers. Um, Is he more in a blocking mode? So he will be an interesting guy here. But uh, the two receivers, either one of them could have a big game. Yeah, I I think that just the way the way that things match up, I think that would be. You know, if you're if you're Shane Shane Steichen and, and Nick Sirianni looking at this, I, I do think that that's where you see an advantage and and getting those guys the ball. I, I, now, you mentioned Brown a couple of times. Uh, looks like he's a little little banged up. You heard anything about that? Is he is he going to be 100 percent ready to go? From what we've heard all week, yeah. I mean, and it's funny because I think they may have kind of said something to maybe shield the fact that he wasn't all that happy. You know, I had yeah, that's how it felt on my show today. And I said, well, was he not happy? He said, no, he wasn't happy. But that's, you know, he said, and, and AJ came, he said, I'm not a diva. I just want the ball. You know, like, like anybody does. He just didn't come out and say it like Diggs did. But, you know, he had some <laughs> body language uh, on the side of the field. I, I, I mean, listen, uh, AJ has been a pretty um, model guy. I mean, early in the season, he had the game where he had all the targets and everyone was like, oh, well, nobody else got any targets. Well, the next week it went the other way. I mean, in fact, Devonta Smith had, I think, uh, what did he break the record for receptions or something? Like he had more targets, you know. Um, it's just that's the offense, man. This offense is whatever. It, it, take what the other team gives you because you have it to take. Dallas last week couldn't take advantage because they don't have another guy, right? They have no other option. So they had to force feed it to Lamb, and that works for his numbers, but it doesn't work for Prescott because Prescott's not good enough to just zone in on one guy. Yeah, and then yeah, and that, you know, that gets back to what you're mentioning about Hertz constantly making the right decision, right? He's not just force feeding AJ Brown the ball just to get him those targets. He's making the right decision to target the open guy to make the best play. And every now and then he's going to say, "All right, I have a 50-50 chance with uh, with my guy. I'm going to give him a chance to go make a play." And we've seen him take advantage of that Brown when he's had those opportunities. Yeah, uh, of Hertz, 22 touchdown passes this year. The average air yards is 31 yards on a touchdown pass. So. They're connecting, and he's putting it up, and he's letting his guys make the plays. Now, Hurts is making the throw. I mean, he's getting the ball there. But A.J. Brown has just been – you know, he goes up and gets it. He goes up. They didn't have a guy like that last year, so we didn't know if Hurts was making good throws or not because no one was helping him make a play or not. And that's not a slight on where Devonta was last year. He's a rookie asking him to be the number one guy. Um, and opposite him, I mean, Rager was terrible. And Watkins, you know, he's not a number two guy. Uh, so now you got a guy that you can say, hey, I am going to throw it up. And that guy's coming down with the ball. Even last week, I mean, you know, first, second play of the game, they go 40 yards on a seven round. It's like, this is too easy. Because um, New York's not very good in the secondary. I think something like that's similar right off the bat. Their defensive secondary is not a strong suit for this team. They're strong because they get pressure against – look, all year, you guys heard it. Oh, the Eagles didn't play anybody. San Francisco played less. <laughs> Their schedule was terrible this year, but I'm not a proponent of one of these people that say, oh, you haven't played anybody. There's no one to play. The whole league is mediocre. So you're not getting tested, but what, two, three games all year long. And <laughs> when you – San Francisco had a step up in competition last week, and they struggled. But, you know, where the difference was, they're better coached than Dallas's. And there was your difference. Two talent sides, equal talent, 
San Francisco is better coached than Dallas. There's your difference in that game. Mike, that's great analysis. Uh, Shane, I don't know if you have any other questions for Mike. Are we going to – Mike, let the people know where they can find you, social media, podcasts, uh, of course, your radio show. Yeah, at Mike Gill Show on Twitter. Uh, I'm on 2 to 6, Monday through Friday, 97.3 ESPN uh, in Atlantic City down the shore. Where we cover like eight Jersey counties, Delaware, Maryland, so you can hear us all over the place. Uh, Believe in Eagles – uh, I do announce her schedule pod. That's more niche kind of talking to broadcasters uh, about their journey to becoming broadcasters, but it's a lot of fun. We talked to a lot of big name people there. Um, yeah. So this has been a crazy week. Loving. Uh, I'll be at the Super Bowl, uh, win or lose. I'll be oh, out there. Awesome. So it'll be a fun week of shows while we're at it. Radio row. Awesome. We'd love to, uh, well, we hope we get a chance to talk to you uh, about the Eagles being in the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks here. So Mike, again, really appreciate the time. Uh, get to that Sixers game. I, I have the box score here and you'll be shocked to know uh, halfway through the first quarter, Ben Simmons has zero points. So <laughs> shocking. I, took, I know. I took right. the yeah. <laughs> thanks Mike. Mike th- thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. See ya. Place your bets. Joe, let's kick this off with a segment, the starting five. I want to to go over, and we'll, we'll jump into a few of these. The finalists for some of the, the season-long awards came out this week, and a few things really jumped out to me. First, uh, Brian Dabble of the New York Giants is a finalist for Coach of the Year. Nick Sirianni is not. Dabble finished 9-7-1 with the Giants. He finished third in the division. And his last 10 regular season games, he went 3-6-1. and one. Sirianni beat him twice, won the division, also ended up beating him in the playoffs, which I know doesn't count, and had a 14-3 record. What gives? Yeah, this is this is absolutely insane. I have I have no issue with with Doug Peterson um because you took a completely broken down team after Urban Meyer um and, and took that team to the playoffs. Very impressive for him. I have no issue with Kyle Shanahan. I mean, if you're just talking about like who's the best coach in the NFL right now, it probably is Kyle Shanahan to be honest with you. Um the fact though that Nick Sirianni did not did not finish in the top 3 finalists for this award is absolutely insane. You know, the Eagles improved by five games, had the best record in the NFC. I, I, I don't I don't understand how how it works. And also, you look back and we started this, you know, you, you come to the start of this this season and it's talk of like, well, if they lose a bunch of games out of the gate, it'll, you know, they'll start having to tank to get CJ Stroud or Will Levis or or uh, or Bryce Young. Like, you know, Hurts might not be the guy. And look where we are. I mean, this was not a foregone conclusion. We looked at the schedule and we said, you know, all right, we're homers. But we just kind of said, look, there's there's a lot of weaknesses in the Eagles schedule. And some of those turned out to be true. Some bad teams turned out to be better than we thought they were. Or teams that we perceived bad turned out to be pretty good. So it all bounced out. The fact that Nick Sirianni is not, I mean, winning this award running away is just crazy to me. It's crazy to me. I, I have no, I have no explanation but this I'm is more shocked that just dabble is on that list over Sirianni beings that they're in the same yeah, division an, and granted dabble did a great job right I think he he's he tried to change that to a winning culture especially yeah. week one yeah. you know when he went for that two-point conversion to yep. win the game he did a great job early in the year but the Giants did not finish strong and I think they're they're actually very similar to where the Eagles were last year where they were a team that overachieved a little bit they got a little bit of of playoff taste but mm-hmm. ultimately it, you know, you come in third in your division and and you you make a, a leap of, of a, a handful of games and, and wins. Yeah. I, I just I just don't see how Dabble's in over Sirianni. That, no, it, that was my gripe with this. Uh, it with this it list. really doesn't make a lot of sense. But the good news is that's on that's on the bulletin board in the locker room right now. You know, it seems like the players all all really love Sirianni. So this could be, you know, a little added boost of locker room material. And when you look at the, when you look at the awards, I mean, Niners players are bait. There's a Niner player nominated or coach for every single award. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. So, um, yeah, this is this is both more material. I, I like it. Sticking with the with the Homer mentality for number two on the starting five, Saul Scarner is projected to win the defensive uh, rookie of the year. And I think that's well-deserved. Yeah. He has my vote as well. The one thing that bothers me about this is you don't see Jordan Davis on this list. And 
the the reason that he's not on this list is because he doesn't put up any stats, right? right? Like he doesn't have a lot of tackles. He doesn't have a lot of sacks. But what he does, if you just look at his on-off numbers, when he wasn't in the game, the first game he wasn't in, the Eagles lose, and they have to go out and sign two guys to try and somehow not even replace him, but just mend the the bleeding up the middle yeah. until he comes back. So, you know, he he doesn't have the the numbers, but he absolutely passed the eye test. And I mean, I, I would argue that he, he he may be the Eagles' most important defensive player at this point. Um, you know, were you surprised to not see him on this list? No, I wasn't surprised, especially, you know, since he missed a couple games. And maybe, you know, if he plays in those games, he gets a couple sacks or, or something like that. Uh, he, he, get, he gets the nod. But, but you know, I... I I'm not shocked, and I really don't think it matters because Sauce Gardner was far and away the best defensive rookie this year. So that that award is is I don't think there's any debating there. Um, it's disappointing because I do think he brings, um, you know, he he brings something very special to that that defense. And and look, you're right. I mean, that guy was hurt, and that made a huge difference in 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 their ability to stop the run so much that they had to go out and get two veterans. So, um, yeah, I think that kind of speaks for speaks for itself. But again, put it up on the bulletin board. Number three on the starting five, Hertz is a finalist, not only for the MVP, but also the Offensive Player of the Year. Who do you think wins Offensive Player of the Year? The three finalists are Hertz, Mahomes, and Justin Jefferson. Uh, I think Mahomes is going to win both Offensive Player of the Year and MVP. I think this goes to Justin Jefferson. Offensive Player of the Year? I think I, I think if it Mahomes could. wins MVP, which I, I believe yeah. he will, then this award goes to either Justin Jefferson or to... Uh, hurts and it's it's a bizarre it's a bizarre award. I mean the the offensive player of the year award I think should not include quarterbacks because that's what the MVP award is at this point. So yeah, I think it should just be the most talented. I know it's so hard to. It should be between yeah. like Jefferson and McCaffrey and you know insert insert player X. All right, number four on the starting five. The these final four teams and you know we talked about this I think hanging into the playoffs. I said I thought there were five teams that could win it. Four of them have made it to this round. Obviously five could not. The Bills lost last week. But if you look at the matchups this week and how low the spreads are, this is honestly one of the closest uh conference championship weekends I can remember and looking ahead to the look ahead lines for the potential Super Bowl matchups, they're set to minus 1 Minus one, minus one, and <laughs> minus one and a half. And that's if the, the Eagles would be favored against uh, the Bengals in, in that ladder. So wow. do you remember a, a conference championship that, that weekend that's been, you know, had this, this, these teams are so evenly matched? I don't, I, I, I really can't remember going in and saying, man, I, I have no idea who's going to win these games um, from a gambling perspective. I like it because I'm fairly confident in, in my picks, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but, but yeah, no, these are really, and, and you know, I mean, if, if Patrick Mahomes, his, I, you know, the guy's got a high ankle sprain that could, that could affect things. And that factors in, I think to why, you know, that line is the way it is, but, but even, you know, even if he was hundred percent healthy, I mean, I don't know how crazy that gets. Um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I th- you know, I think the I think the Eagles line is is uh, for for today at least is is fair right now two and a half. I think it opened at two if I'm not mistaken because I looked like you know the the second after the Niners won and they had it up and I think it was two, which yep. struck me as a little odd. But you know, more looking into the matchup, I think the two and a half, I think two and a half is fair. Um, but yeah, these are these are you know tight matchups and and I don't necessarily think we're going to have two close games. That's a tease, but uh, we'll see. I, you know, I think I think that there there could be some good games. Number five on the starting five earlier this week, Temple upset number one Houston in college basketball. They they beat Houston fifty six to fifty five uh, at Houston. Uh, you know, how did this happen? Uh, did you watch the game? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so um, so that game was going on during. I guess it was during the the first game. Um. Uh, of the Sunday slate, which was uh, the Bills and Bengals, and uh, and and our friend and and uh, uh, guest on the podcast Shane McNichol was was tweeting out. Uh, uh, he tweeted something about like, hey, if this this Bengals game gets out gets out of hand, Temple's like hanging in with uh, with with Houston right now. And at that point, I don't know. There was you know. 18 minutes left in the game. And I just said, Houston will pull away. Uh, but then I'm kind of following his tweets about it. And then I eventually had to turn it on to, uh, uh, to see, to see Temple win that game. Uh, just, just 
no, no words. I, you know, I didn't see enough of the game to say uh, Houston just played horribly, which I imagine they did because Temple's not really that talented. Um, although they're winning a couple games. This has been Aaron McKee, uh, his whole tenure at Temple. It's like awful, awful, awful. Oh, that's a huge win. Oh, another big win. Oh, they're winning more games. They're winning. Oh, maybe this guy can coach next season. Awful, awful, awful. Oh, big win. So, uh, you know, I just, I, I still, I think Aaron McKee is a good coach. I still just don't quite know but that is a huge win for that program uh much needed you know houston kind of just fell into that number one seed and and from a gambling perspective you always look uh it happens a lot in college football when a team either you know jumps from whatever 20 to 10 or something in the polls when they get that that 10 ranking they get a little cocky so i think maybe houston got a little uh, a little relaxed when they you know got the one seed say all right we're the best team in the country um and then temple comes in and, and beats them uh the, the biggest shocker is that they did it at houston um yeah. you know at temple would have made maybe a little more sense uh probably not but um crazy but an awesome win for awesome win for temple happy happy for uh aaron mckee and that team place your bets all right shane let's get into the lines this week we we are currently sitting at 10 and 3 uh, in the playoffs, you were perfect three and zero last week. Um, I was a uh, gentleman's three and one. My my loss being uh, being Buffalo. And when you go back to listen to our podcast last week, I, I'm listening to it. And I'm like actively talking myself out of taking Buffalo. <laughs> um, but but your analysis was was dead on 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 that game as well as uh, Jacksonville and, and Kansas City. So we are uh, we we have I think you you're on four or five winning weeks in a row uh, right now. Is that is that right? Yeah three, yeah. It's been uh you know five and one so far in the playoffs. Um, you actually have been on uh, quite the heater as well. Three winning weeks uh, in a row, nine and three since week 18. And Joe, you're actually creeping back up toward 50% for the NFL season, which honestly, if you were to have asked me at week 10, 11, if that was possible, <laughs> absolutely not. But you really turn this around. If you go 2-0 this week, you will be exactly at 50% for the NFL season. Oh boy. Well, I'm going 2-0 this week. So uh, we're going to start though with uh, with... The 49ers, Eagles, Sunday, 3 o'clock, Lincoln Financial Field. As we mentioned, the Eagles are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm actually seeing that in some places, juiced at 115. Uh, so you're going to want to look for uh, for 110 if you can find that. Um, but two-and-a-half favorites, Eagles at home. Shane, your thoughts? Oh, I'm sorry. The, the total is uh, 46 and a half. Yeah, I mean, we, we've we've talked, you know, with with the guests that we had on earlier. We we got some interesting perspectives from both the 49ers side as well as from the Eagles side. Ultimately, I remain steadfast in my pick for this week. I'm locking up the Eagles at minus two and a half. I, I think that that this is absolutely a game that they're going to win. Yeah, you know, in 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 like you said with our previous guests and talking to Mike, I I kind of gave him the spiel that I've been telling myself all week as to why I think the Eagles are just a better team. I just think they're flat out just better. The the 49ers are very good, they're very well coached, but but at, at some point it's not about the Xs and Os, it's about the Jimmys and the Joes and I just think the Eagles have better players. I think it, like I was very confident going against the Giants because I knew the Giants were were just not that good. And that you know, that that spread was seven and a half. Wouldn't shock me at all if the Eagles. I, I mean, I think the Eagles could could get a lead in this game and then work to kind of protect it because, you know, are the Niners the Niners going to just start slinging the ball around the field with Brock Purdy if they get down? Absolutely not. Um, so that could be you know uh, just a, a a numbers game or a time game, clock game for for the Eagles if they get a get a nice lead early. Um, so I I could see the Eagles winning this game like a like a twenty four fourteen type game. Um. So I'm, I'm locking up the Eagles. I'm, I'm with you. We're, we're, we're in lockstep here. And, uh, you know, I, I try to talk myself out of it. I try not to, not to just take some Homer pick, but I, I just, I did my homework on this one for first game all year. I thought my homework on and I'm coming up with the Eagles. So <laughs> let me, uh, let me play devil's advocate here for a bit. So the game plan that San Fran should have is going back to week 17 and watching what new Orleans did to us. Right. And that was pretty much, when they got first downs, they were getting first downs by getting 11 yards at a time. They controlled the clock in that game to the point where, and Grant, we didn't, I don't think we had Hurts in that game, right? He was still out. We had, we yeah. had Minshew in there, yep. but the offense wasn't even on the field. And that seems to be what the game plan should be in order to beat this team. You, you keep the offense off the field, you tire out the defense. And it sounds easier said than done, but a team like New Orleans, who finished with the 10th worst record in the entire league was able to do it against uh, the Eagles defense as well as, um, you know, you know, regardless, that was a backup quarterback, but, you know, Minshew isn't just 
any backup quarterback. I, I still, I still think he's one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league, but when he didn't have a chance to have the ball in his hands, I think that's going to be the 49ers game plan. And, and when we talked to Tracy, that's sort of what she said. They're, they're going to try and establish a run and try and uh, control the clock. I, yeah, that, that's, I, I mean, that's, what's going to have to happen. If, if the 49ers are going to win that game, it's going to be because they, they are just, they're keeping hurts off the field. And the, you know, the, the old, the old, uh, adage, I guess the the best defense is a good offense, and that that's going to hold true for the Niners. Um, the Eagles' defense is just too good. Like if the Eagles had like a middle of the road, you know, you know, top fifteen defense or something, I would say oh, pff, Niners are probably favored in the game. This is an elite defense, though. They have playmakers all over the field. There's no way Brock, there's no way Brock Purdy can beat you. Christian McCaffrey would have to play the best game he's had in his NFL career with, without question. And Debo Sam is going to need to do a lot more. We know he's nursing an ankle injury now. How ineffective that'll make him, we, we don't know. But I, I just I don't see the 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 49ers being able to run all over the Eagles, especially we're just a locked in team at, at this point. This is this is not, you know, this is not um, you know, playing playing the Redskins in the middle of the season on a cold, you know, cold Sunday night or whatever it was. I, I think this team is is locked in, ready to ready to stop that run and say, Hey, Brock Purdy, good luck, bud. You got to beat us. So yeah, every game you can look at a few plays that truly change the course of the game. And when I watched that San Fran versus Dallas game last week, a few plays stood out to me. The The main one was that ball that Purdy threw that went into Diggs' chest and he dropped it for the interception, <laughs> right? Like Diggs, Diggs had a rough game. That, a was, rough game. that was a really bad play. And, yeah. you know, you go back to that Kittle catch where Diggs, if it was five years ago, like Kittle will probably be in the hospital right now because he, he, he will have him right in the head. But, did, you know, Diggs should have had that interception on that play. The other thing that, that really stands out about that game is Pollard getting hurt. We we all knew Zeke, yes. that, you know, couldn't really play. You can never predict injuries, right? If Hurts goes down in, in the beginning of the game, we can't predict that, especially when we're gambling on the game. But with Pollard going down and then them not making some of those plays that were gifted to them, I'm I'm you know I'm not too afraid of Brock Purdy at this point. Uh, you, you know the the group of people I was watching the Eagles game with um, last week, I, I just said, uh, you know, literally ten minutes before kickoff, somebody says to me, you know, how you feeling, and I said like. I'm very confident the Eagles are going to win the game, but before kickoff, like I get, I get nervous and yeah. I start, I don't know. I just start thinking about like anything that can happen. And then the Eagles come out and just absolutely dominate that game. They were the better team from, from the jump. Um, it was just a total beat down. The Niners did not look like that against the Cowboys, even when they lose, you know, with, with the loss of Tony Pollard, who is one of their, you know, I mean, I, he's probably the most explosive player on the, on that team. So I, I, I think they didn't like, what did the Niners do to to have everyone saying they're going to come into Philly and win the NFC Championship? Yeah, if you look at Brock th- Purdy's two away games, uh, he's played well. First off, Brock Purdy against uh, against the pass. So teams that that he's played against and what their pass record is: the Bucks were twenty first, Seahawks twenty second, Commanders seventh, the Raiders thirty first, Cardinals twenty fourth, Seahawks twenty second. And then last week was the biggest test, which was the Cowboys at six. This week, he's going against the Eagles, who are the number one pass yeah. defense in the league. Now, of all those games that they played, two he's only played two road games in that time. And that was at Seattle, which is a tough place to play. And also at the Raiders, which, you know, that's that's questionable at this point since they, since yeah. they made the move to, to Vegas. But you're right. This is, you know, you're traveling through multiple time zones to get here. And then you're in a different weather environment and you're playing against in front of the Eagles crowd. That's it's, it's, it's a lot to ask of anyone, especially a rookie. During our, during our last break, I was, I was just uh, scrolling Twitter and I saw a, a little snippet from Debo Samuel's press conference. And he, he, he said, they asked him, you know, what about the atmosphere in Philly? And he said, well, nowhere, nowhere is louder than our place. <laughs> like, but I mean, he was like, I don't think he's trolling. I think he's like sincere. Like, you know, Kittle's the one saying like, oh, it's going to be a violent, you know, atmosphere or whatever. Um, I, you know, I, I think that that this is going to surprise them if they truly believe that that their little Santa Clara, what, whatever it is, is the loudest stadium in the NFL. Um, they're they're in for a rude awakening. And, and that that's gonna that's gonna play the, the crowd is gonna play a big role. And I'm I'm not a I'm not a huge hey, the, the crowd makes a big difference, but in big games when the crowd is ready to go, it can make it can make the difference. And and this will be one of those atmospheres. I mean, we've both been to games um in Philly, big games in Philly, and and we know how it is. They're gonna be surprised. I, I if that's really their mentality, they're they're gonna be surprised. So we're both locking up the Eagles at minus two and a half. Are you touching the over under in this game? It currently sits at 46 and a half. No, I took the under last week. Um, just just 
thinking that the Giants aren't going to be able to score. I didn't think the Giants would score a point. Um, I didn't necessarily think the Eagles would have 38, but um, you know, I still still was able to, uh, to 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 cover that. But this one I'm staying away from because I think it can go a couple different different directions. The the under seems almost too obvious um, with two really good defenses going at it. So 46 and a half kind of feels big to me. Um, so does Vegas maybe say the Eagles are going to be able to score on on a uh, on the Niners, I don't know, but it, it just feels a little fishy to me. I'm going to stay away from it. What about you? Yeah, I'm staying away from this as well. Um, the Right now, the, the bets that are coming in, 69% of the bets are on the Eagles with 92% of the money. So that's it's kind of interesting because you're seeing both the, uh, the public and the Sharps are on the same side. So that's a 23% differential. Um, on the next game, there's actually a, a, a larger uh, differential. So we have the Bengals minus one versus Chiefs. This actually, I think they opened the line at like two and a half, which is crazy to me. It was the, the Chiefs by two and a half. Yeah. It, it quickly swung over to the Bengals minus one. Uh, the over-under sits at 47. What's your breakdown of this game? The the, the key is, is Patrick Mahomes' ankle. Um, it, it seems like the sharp betters do not trust it. It's going to hold up. Um, now I didn't see, I, I saw bits and pieces of, of that game, uh, against, against Jacksonville and Chad Henney didn't seem to look bad when he, when he played. Um, so if, he came it, in and led a 98 yard yeah, touchdown even, drive at the first drive. So even if it comes to that, you know, but I, I think the Mahomes plays and, and, and plays well. Um, my, my big thing with, with, uh, Cincinnati and why I took the Bills last week was, you know, hey, offensive line is dinged up, and that that usually spells spells big trouble. Um, you know, they still got to think up offensive line, but you made you made the point that Joe Barrow is used to having a bad offensive line. Um, the guy came out played very well. Uh, you know, Joe Mixon, you know, brings brings something different almost every game. I'm, I'm a little bit more impressed with the way he plays, and then of course Jamar Chase is, uh, you know, one of one of the top receivers in the NFL. Hard to bet against the Chiefs catching that point at home. Um, I God, if you told me ten weeks ago I'd have the Cincinnati Bengals going back to the Super Bowl, I, I would have told you were crazy. Uh, but that's where I am. I'm, I'm going to take the Bengals minus one in this game. So in the past two years, the Bengals are twenty-seven and twelve against the spread. Somehow going into this year, and I think we both called it out when earlier in the year that that we thought there might be a little bit of a regression from mm-hmm. the the Bengals going into this year, a little time for their offensive line to gel. And we yep. did see that early in the year. And then once they gelled, I mean it was it was right back to right back to business where they were last year. I, I find it difficult to obviously bet against Joe Burrow at this point. However, the time that you like to bet on the homes is when he is a favorite, a short favorite, or obviously an underdog, right. you know, when he's at that large favorite over three points, we've been fading him. I, fa- I faded him mm-hmm. last week because yep. that line was just too many points. It looked like last week Vegas was actually trying more to protect against the teasers by moving that line up to, I think it kicked off at nine and a half, uh, rather than around six and a half, seven, where it should have been. So this week, I- I'm actually struggling to to, to make a play here. I- I'm not going to lock anything up pre-game. I'm going to wait to to hop on a, a great live line. I think whichever team goes down double digits first, I'll, I'll be on the other team and-, and be rooting for a comeback. How about the total? Right now, it's at 47 and a half. I actually like the under in this game, and oh, I think a lot of that has to If you're to locking do... it up, we have a fight, because I'm going over. I- I'm not locking it up. The only game I'm locking up is, is the Eagles, but I-, I like the under, and the reason I like the under is because, because of the ankle with Mahomes, right? So this is a game that everyone wants to just root for the over, right? You want to see a 45, 42 type of game, uh, an exciting game. But ultimately, if you think about what the strategy should be, it should be from the Chiefs defensive end, keep everything in front of you and don't let up the big play. Give them the 10-yard the chunks at a time and, and sort of eat up the clock. And then with the Chiefs, it should be long drives and and keep the Bengals off the field and make it come down to a one-score game and trust that Mahomes will be able to, to get it done. And don't put too much pressure on him and too much pressure on, on that leg. So that, that's why I, I lean the under in this game. I'll probably end up betting it, but, but I'm not confident enough at this point to lock it up. I am not going to be the guy when there's 90 points on the board that took the under. So that's why I have taken the over. Um, I think if the chiefs win the game, it definitely goes over. Uh, and, and again, you know, I, I, I'm going to cover my bases there, but I think that the Bengals can score chiefs defense is very good. A lot of good players. Um, but, but I'm, I'm not like, it's not going to be the guy to, to miss out on this. I got, I got to, I got to take the over on this. And right now the Bengals are getting 73% of the bets, but only 65% of the money. So, so the chiefs actually have an 8% differential differential there. 
going to be an awesome weekend of football. It, it really so is. I'm really Sunday's excited for, for Sunday. Speaking of awesome, are you, are you watching the Sixers game right now? I I'm not. I have it. I've paused downstairs. I start to watch it between uh between. It, I won't I won't tell you the, the score or anything to to interrupt. But we're um we got seven minutes left in the second quarter, and there have been four technical fouls already. It is oh it is as chippy as can be. Kyrie Kyrie was not enjoying the uh, Matisse Thybulle treatment early early on. Um yeah, crazy game. But uh we're gonna talk about the Sixers when we finish our business with uh with the Eagles, which which hopefully lasts another couple of weeks. Place your bets. For Joe Simonera, I'm Shane Curran. That's all for today's show. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Remember, rate, review, subscribe, and always bet on yourself. Philly and the Over is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe?